You're listening to the Bring Them Home Aliyah podcast, hosted by Josh Wander. Welcome back to Bring Them Home. This is Josh Wander from Yerushalayim, Yerakodesh. It is, it is Erev, uh, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vayakel Pekude, Parshas Achodesh. Uh, we're about to enter into Rosh Chodesh Nisan, which is very exciting. It says that in Nisan... Nigalu, uh, we were redeemed, and in in Lovo, we will be redeemed again in Nissan. So we're looking for exciting things to come. We have our special guest, Rav Nachman Kahana, on the line to speak about current events and the parsha and what is going on in the world. Welcome, Rav Nachman, to the show. Shalom, Shabbat Shalom, B'chodesh Tov, everybody. Yeah, the ready B'chodesh Nissan. How time flies. Anyway, okay, this week. We close the book of Shemot, and while under the spell of our miraculous exodus from Egypt, we join together with our waning memories of last week's Purim. A bittersweet Purim Dika story comes to my mind that has relevance to the lives of many Jews today. A chicken farmer once cried out desperately to the Rebbe for an eight cent suggestion because his chickens were dying. Rebbe told the man, Feed them wheat. Two weeks later, the farmer returned crying to the Rebbe. Another suggestion because the chickens were still dying. This time, the Rebbe told the man, feed them barley. Two weeks later, the scenario, the scenario repeated itself. And this time, the Rebbe told the man to feed the chickens corn. Two weeks later, the man came crying desperately to the Rebbe. Does the Rebbe have any more suggestions for me? The Rebbe replied, the question is not how many suggestions I have. The question is how many chickens you still have left. The story comes to illuminate the most essential component of our life, time. There is big time, like the longevity of the created universe. The Talmud Sanhedrin 97a states that our world, probably means humanity, will survive for 6,000 years, but then be destroyed for another 1,000 or 2,000 years, at which time Hashem will usher in a new episode of human existence. Some Kabbalists maintain that the universe will go through seven periods of 7,000 years and will then be destroyed. And others maintain that the universe will go through 18,000 jubilees of 50,000 years or 900 million years before the great day of judgment. Now, as impressed by these numbers are, they are irrelevant to us. Because what is irrelevant for us mortals is a fleeting 70, 80, 90 years of our existence in this world and how we perform the service of Hashem. For the past 20 years, I've been sending out the Beit Torah, I believe without missing a week. That's 50 plus every Torah times 20 years equal to not less than 1,000 every Torah. The vast majority of these writings are variations on the theme of escaping the spiritual and physical 
that sentence of the Galut. As in the story of the rabbi in the chicken farm, I can say, I have God willing, many more debate Torah. But the question is, how much more time do you have left in the Galut? Until a year ago, many Jews in the Galut could have returned to Israel, purchased beautiful homes, and had stacks of money left over. The situation has declined dramatically, and will continue to do so into a never-ending black hole. Many who have come, many who could have come in Aliyah, can no longer do so, unless they are willing to walk away from their beautiful, gilded, caged homes. The public school system will forever be indebted to religious Jews for sending their bright children to P.S. something or other, because the parents will no longer be able to afford yeshiva tuition. Shuls will be repossessed by the banks for failure to pay the mortgages, together with many other communal and private tragedies. On the positive side, many families will be making their own seder at home this year. That's for the first time. After canceling their reservations at the hotels, and the cruises to Aruba, where they were busty sang year after year, the Shana Bab Yerushalayim, next in Yerushalayim. This week's Parsha, excuse me, last week's Parsha, from Parsha Para, was from Yecheskel 36. It sounds like this, the Nechem. Nebuah says, I disperse, Hashem says to Navi, I disperse them, Jewish people, among the nations, and they were scattered through the countries, I judged them according to their conduct and their actions. And wherever they went among the nations, they profaned my holy name. What was said of them, the Graham said about us, these are the Lord's people, and yet they had to leave his land. I concerned for my holy name, which sounds of Israel profaned among the nations. <clears throat> and the lead goes on to explain what does it mean. It means the Jews in exile profane the Shem's holy name, not through not a conduct or social inadequacies, but with the simple fact that they were there and not near to Israel. As the Navi says, however they went among the nations, they profaned my holy name, was said of them, these are the Lord's people, and yet they had to leave his land. The prophet could not have been referring to a period when the Jews in Galut could not return home, uh, because of prohibitions. It's obviously referring to a period when the Jews will be able to return, but will choose not to return. He's referring to all the Jews now in the Galut, beginning with those who are un- un- unversed in Torah law, and up to the most recognized religious leaders there. They can give all the excuses in the world, and I'm sure that there is an honorable place, Gan Eden, where people have lived by good excuses based on pupil and das Torah. However, in the words of a rabbi of mine in Yeshiva High School, Shirtah Ben Yaakov Yosef, when I once came late to Shia, but I had a great excuse. And the rabbi said to me, I can't punish you because you have an excuse. But from excuses, one does not become a Talmachachim. All the excuses and populistic manipulations cannot justify remaining in the Galut after the establishment of Medina Yisrael. Oh, yeah, yeah. This week on Shabbat HaChodesh, we'll read from the Torah, the first mitzvah that Hashem commanded Jewish nation, calculating and ushering in the new months and years. This brings to mind the first commentary of Russia on the book of, of Bereshit. He quotes the Midrash and Chuma that since the Torah is the book of mitzvot of the Jewish nation, it should begin with the first mitzvah 
Hashem commanded us, calculating a declaration of new months and years, and not the story of creation. Medus explains how Hashem began the Torah, the story of creation, in order to refute future claims by the nations that Jewish people illegally seized Eretz Israel. The Jews and the Gentile nations alike will then know that Hashem, as the creator of all that exists, had the right to give Eretz Israel to the Jewish nation at the expense of all others. If all the Jews in the world were here today in Eretz Israel, they claim that we stole Eretz Israel from the poor canonized 3,500 years ago, and again 72 years ago from that great, selfless, altruistic, beneficent, benevolent, benevolent, charitable, generous, good, humane, idealistic, kindly, philanthropic, intelligent, merciful nation of Palestinians will be politically, religiously, and starkly false. Unfortunate fact is that many religious people, including prominent rabbis, choose to remain in Galut. And that's the claim that the land does not belong to Jewish people acquires greater prominence in international circles. This in turn, because if Hashem gave us the land, why are these big rabbis doing chutzarets? This in turn creates a preferential atmosphere for vehement anti-Semitism. <coughs> Excuse me. Which is Chil Hashem and it's extreme. As stated above, rabbis and Eretz Israel have reams and reams of Dibre Torah to decimate, to, excuse me, to disseminate. But the 72 window of opportunity for the Jews in Galut is quickly being shut. Not everyone will come. And just as the Noah's Ark will only have sampling of each species was handpicked and saved by Hashem, is selecting those whom he wishes to be an Eretz Israel at this time. <coughs> When constructing the Mishkan, excuse me, <laughs> when constructing the Mishkan, and later in the construction of the Beit Mikdash, workmen of all sorts walked in all the areas of the site. Ramam states that if the construction required an artisan who was not a coin, or not even one who was richly impure, he still performed his task even in the area designated to be the Holy of Holies. However, when the Mishkan was completed and the areas are designated for their sanctified tasks, the only ones permitted to enter was virtually pure Kohanim. In conclusion, as we now are building the future redemption of Am Yisrael, all who can participate are invited, God-fearing Jews, together with less observant Jews, and even Gentiles are joined together in this modern-day Mishkan of Medina Yisrael. There is still a narrow window of time to leave the Galut. Your decision to take part in our return home must be made today. And now, if you tarry, who knows what the future will hold the Jews left behind. We try very much to uh, to get this podcast out on Thursdays. And the reason that I was not able to record yesterday is because I was sent to the southern border of Medinat Yisrael, to the Sinai-Taba border, in order mm-hmm. to uh, cover an event which was uh, which very interesting that's going on right now uh, as of yesterday. The, I don't know if you're familiar, but uh, yesterday the Israeli government opened up the Sinai border for a period of five hours between 8 o'clock in the morning and 1 o'clock in the afternoon to allow any stranded Israelis that were there to enter into Israel 
uh, for those that don't know, all across the country, uh, the borders have been sealed for, for months now because of corona. And uh, this is pretty unprecedented. Uh, the people that were coming through were flying in from all around the world in order to get through this border in this small window of time that it was open for Israelis to cross. I was wondering what your take was on the fact that Israel is, like I said, unprecedentedly restricting even their own citizens, even Israelis, from entering in the country. I would think of the, the, the bracha that we make uh, three times a day, that about Nidchei Yisrael, this is, this is definitely the rejected of Israel that are trying to get it back into the country. Hmm. It's remarkable. Baruch Hashem is the first time in Israel's history that we don't permit Olim Chadashim to come here. In time of war, and time of the poverty, and everything, Olim always came. And now, it can't come. There's restrictions. It's the hand of Hashem. Hashem is saying, when I wanted, you didn't want. Now that you want, I don't want. And that's what it is. I'm saying this all these years. Eretzal is not a place that you can decide, yes, come, not come. It's not a place for vacations, not even a place to buy an apartment to go back to America. It's a place that Hashem, that's not that you may come, you must come. As I said before, all the pilpils and all the joshot and all the Mashiach doesn't mean anything because from excuses you don't get anywhere. And now you want to come. Now you can't come. The door will open again. It's going to happen. But it's going to be shut again. And this next coming window of opportunity will be like the last call. Whoever comes will be here and then after that, you sleep in the bed that you make. You have no one to blame but yourself. And the people here in Eretz Israel, remember, very significant that we are like the first country in the world which is coming out from this terrible pandemic. Everyone here, almost everyone, has been already vaccinated. And life is coming back again to what it was before. Little by little, it's done very carefully. But the point is, Hebra, 600,000 Jews didn't want to come back there to Israel, and they died in the desert. A lot of Jews don't want to come here. Don't disappear from history. Happened before, it happened again. But those who will come here, save their lives and the children's lives forever and ever. Your decision today will destroy the whole future of your family for till Biata Mashiach. Many of the uh, returnees yesterday on the uh, Taba border actually said to me that they felt this is, this was Yitziat Mitzrayim right before Pesach that they were uh, they were accomplishing the exodus from Egypt today uh, the way that it was done thousands of years ago. Um, one more one more piece that was sent to me. There was a picture, uh, I don't know, a photograph that was sent to me of the new magnificent uh, plans to build a huge, the largest Jewish shul-based medrash in the world, Bubba 45 in Borough Park. It's a magnificent building. It's going to be, um, I assume, tens of millions of dollars to build this building, if not much more. And, uh, And I wondered to myself, why are they wasting these resources on a temporary building in Chutzla Aretz. And some people responded to me when I said that 
and they said that the Gemara says, the Medrash says, that all the shuls and chutzlaretz are going to come to Eretz Yisrael, La'asid Lavo, in the future days. So why not build magnificent buildings in the exile? What is your response to that? I think my suggestion would be, when the shul is in the planning stage, they should also involve the local uh, priests and the uh, Christian priests in planning because in 20 years from now, it's going to become a church anyway. So let them have at least their say how to build it. Listen, you, the, I said many times that there, there, there are things which are illogical and then there are things that you need psychiatrists for. Building a shul today is not a religious question. It's a question for psychiatrists because these people are mad, mad, and the brain is wide in not in a proper way. And they're being arrived from the Torah. Okay. By the way, my understanding of that medrash is that uh, in the end of days, that the shuls and the bate medrashim across the world are going to uh, start to dry up. The congregants are, the last congregants are going to make their way on Aliyah. And they're going to send, they're going to bring with them the Sifrei Torah and the yard site plaques from their shuls before they lock it up and, like you said, sell it to the local church. So the, the shuls will indeed come here. The question is how they're going to come here. And it's not clear that their view of their, them coming here, al kanfein Sharim in a miraculous way is the way that's going to happen. It's that we see thousands of congregations across the world that are closing their doors, locking their doors, and uh, sealing them for for eternity. So... It is happening, just not in the way that people expect it to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. And everybody will come. But first of all, we don't know. There's no way that we can know what Hashem is going to do. How's it going to come about? If you ask a thousand people, you have a thousand different uh, and, uh, speculations, and they'll all be wrong. Hashem is the major, is the great, greatest playwright. He surprises everybody. And it's like an adventure. I say always the time, be a Jew is life's greatest experience and life's greatest adventure. To be a Jew is something. In any event, I always say, I have a question. When you bring a Sefer Torah, a new Sefer Torah to a shul, there's a parade. There's, there's a problem. People walk. And the head of the parade is always the Rabbanim. They're bringing a new Sefer Torah to the Beit Knesset. Am Yisrael was like a Sefer Torah, and we came back to Eretz Israel. Why would not the Rabbanim and the first line coming back, if you bring a Sefer Torah to Beit Knesset, the rabbis go first? Why didn't the rabbis be the head of the Zionist movement to come back home? There's something very wrong with us. We became, we became sick because of the Galut. Our whole structure of values became, and still are, among some people, simply just not right. They don't learn from history. And it's, it's, a, it's a heartbreak, the way many people are just not going to make it. And um, like, the, like the 600 Jews in the Midbar. Let, let's hope maybe have a tshuva, and uh, who knows? No, no one knows what tomorrow can bring. One speculation that we know that did come about, and that is that of the Rambam, uh, which is very clear that things are not going to happen in a miraculous way, but they're going to happen al, al derech 
in a natural mm-hmm. way, and that's clearly happening today. We see over and over again that uh, that the return of the Jewish people to Eretz Israel is happening in a very natural form, um, and uh, people shouldn't expect to be whisked away uh, miraculously when clearly the signs are all on the wall. Well, certainly that's not going to happen. <clears throat> Thank okay, you so much. Anyway, Shabbat, Shabbat Shalom, Shalom, everybody. V'chodesh Tov, Zat Hashem. This uh, coming Pesach, we don't have to say, we shouldn't say, L'shana Bab Yerushalayim, and L'shana Zot Yerushalayim. Shalayim Abnuya. Amen. Okay. Amen. Be well. Thank you for listening to the Bring Them Home Aliyah podcast. If you identify with our message, please subscribe and tell your friends about us too. You can leave us a review on iTunes as that really helps us grow. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. For sponsorship opportunities and for all other inquiries, please email us at bringthemhomeisrael at gmail.com. Check out our website at www.israeltorah.org for more content on this vital topic.